Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today's topic is the new reality of Amazon FBA with my friend, Ephraim Rausch. Welcome, Ephraim. Hi, Joe. How are you? Very good. Very good. Ephraim was on my podcast, I think, last year, and we talked. He gave us a tutorial on what fulfillment by Amazon is, and he's going to go a little basics on that today, and I'll make sure I put the link to the old podcast in the show notes. So if you want to go back and see the step-by-step, you get a little more insights into how Amazon FBA works. But if you learned how Amazon FBA worked last year, you will be behind the curve, as Ephraim's going to talk to us about in just a minute. But before we do that, Ephraim, please introduce yourself and your company and tell us where you're joining us from today. Sure. My name is Ephraim Ausch. I work for Tactical Logistics Solutions. What we do is we help Amazon sellers sell their product on Amazon in a logistics perspective. So we take care from their imports, their pickups from the port, warehousing, and then deliveries to Amazon. I'm based out of New Jersey. That's where our corporate office is. And then we have locations here in Jersey, and then we have a location in California. And our bigger operations in California, and I'll go into that. What's the reason for it is because we bring in from China, especially where most of the product comes in, is much closer West Coast to East Coast. So our main operations for Amazon sellers is over there. So we could get product in quick and get it into Amazon quick. Excellent. Excellent. So before we do that, Ephraim, tell us a little bit about you. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? A little bit about your career prior to joining Tactical. So I grew up in an area called Muncie, New York. It's a Rockland County. It's more of a suburban area in New York State. I learned in a Jewish school, Jewish day school. Then I was in high school. I went to Israel for a few years. I was there for three years. When I came back here, it was time to go to work. So I joined a company just as a phone sales rep, just to take calls from people calling in for a candy company. And I just took the paper. I told my wife, I'm just going to get any job that's available. I want to go to work. I want to get my fingers into the game and just start working. So I just took whatever job it is. I think it was a minimum wage job. Started there after a few months. I asked them, like, is there any opportunity to grow here? So they told me, like, yeah, we started selling on Amazon a year or two years ago. What kind of company was it? A candy company. Okay. They were selling bulk candy, bulk chocolate, bulk nuts, and they did some gifting for the holidays. That's But their main business was bulk candy. That was their main business. They have multiple retail stores, and then they had an online presence. And uh, I was in the call center, so people called them for the website or just regular orders from the store, whatever they wanted, and we took their orders. So I asked my manager, is there any way to grow here in the company? And he told me, like, yeah, some years ago we started uh, – selling on Amazon, and we really didn't do well. We just closed our account, but we hear from other people that Amazon is picking up. And that was back in 2011, 2011. If you want to start, so like, yeah, definitely. I have some friends that are selling on Amazon. I have no knowledge, but I'll definitely do the research, and I'll get my feet wet and figure it out. So I started listing a lot of products. That around over 5,000 SKUs from different candy, chocolate, nuts. And I just listed like over a thousand SKUs within like a month or so. And I wasn't getting any sales. 
And I was trying to figure out what am I doing wrong? To start talking to people, start on the research, I realized there's SEO, there's keywords, and then the biggest You're thing down is, the rat hole. <laughs> exactly. And then I do more research and I see there's something like FBA. And I told my manager, like, did you hear about FBA? Oh, I'm not sure. I don't want to allocate stock and send them into Amazon. You didn't have any sales yet. So I said, like, just let's send in 10 bags of candy. Let's just try it. We did that. And within two weeks, it was all sold. And so I'm like, hey, you see, film by Amazon is much better. And the reason why the film by Amazon is much better, I'll get into that right now, is when you sell from your warehouse, from your location, from your basement, you're selling product and the arrival time will be standard shipping. So if I'm based out of New York or New Jersey and you live in, out of California, you're going to wait five, six days. If it ships on a Tuesday, you're going to wait till the next week, Monday to arrive. That's a full week. And what the difference is with the fulfillment by Amazon is if you have a Prime account, that means you pay the membership a year, you get two days free shipping. So when I send in my product into Amazon FBA, Amazon guarantees two days for that. Even though you live in California, you'll get your candy, your product within two days. And that's because Amazon would tell you, hey, we're to be two-day shipping, you need to be close to, so they would tell you to ship some of your product to a, a warehouse close to the California customers. Right. So what they do is basically, they tell me they have two types of warehouses. They have a transload facilities, then they have storage facilities that where they ship out from. So they would tell me, hey, close to you, there's a big warehouse in New Jersey, send all your product here. What happens when it arrives there, they have 15 or 20 trucks lined up, and this goes to Montana, this goes to Tennessee, this goes to California, this goes to Washington. So, so is it considered a transload warehouse where you would deliver to? Okay. Correct. So most standardized products, once you start selling some volume, they'll always send it to one location. Exceptionally, some categories don't have that. Oversized products don't have that. You're always going to have to send it to multiple locations because I guess it's cost them a lot to take it to one location and start sending it all over. Some of them are able to do that. But uh, I've seen a lot of oversized accounts. That means the product is an oversized product. I think it's, I forgot already the dimensions, but I know the box dimensions are have to be less than 25 by 25 by 25. That's when it's considered oversized. So we're talking now about standard size products. They'll send it to one location, then they'll send it all over. So when you place an order in Europe based out of California, you'll get your product in two days. And that's what happens. Like our sales started going up and up and up because we kept on sending it more and more to Amazon FBA. By end of the year, I think the first three months I wouldn't count because we had maybe three, four orders. But once we started doing FBA, nine months later, we did a million in sales. Nice. Um, so that was really uh, impressive. Were you, still, were you still making minimum wage? No, not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> then at the moment right now, they do around 25 million in sales a year. So they wow. really, I don't work there anymore, but they really grew a lot on Amazon. And that's because they started doing FBA. So oh Film by Amazon they, is a no-brainer. They no trusted brainer. you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I started it, but when I left, uh, it really picked up even more. So I don't know who to give the codes to, to. It's me or them, but I definitely started. I got their feet wet and I got them involved. And once I left, they really added a lot more product. And at that time, I went on my own. I felt like I'll be more successful doing it on my own because I figured out how I want to do things. So I did that. I did myself. I sold myself as a seller on Amazon for four years. I was where did you sell? I sold gift baskets. So for holiday season, Valentine's Day, Father's Day. So I felt like there's a big demand for that on Amazon. And the company where I work, they focused more on bulk. So I felt like I have opportunity to go in there and try to make money there. But at the end, it was very seasonal. And for me, having the downtime 
and risking sending in, let's say, 5,000 units of something, and then tomorrow it's not worth anything because Valentine's Day is over, Christmas is over. It was just too much risk right. involved. <laughs> so I decided that I'm going to look for more opportunities. Then my dad was asking me if maybe I could join him. He wants to expand in the e-commerce world. He only did retail, traditional retail, um, 3PL. So that's how my whole role started. I came in, started getting my feet wet in the 3PL business. I didn't know much about logistics. I mean, I knew how to run my own warehouse, but running a 3PL is a total different animal, completely different story how things work. But I learned the business. I went down to California a lot. I worked with every single team, did everything that needs to happen within the 3PL business. And I really learned how that works. So you're tactical where you work now, your dad's business. It is a freight forwarder, correct? That was later. That was I was going to get to. Okay. Once I figured out the 3PL business and then a lot of people told me like, why don't you go into the freight forwarding and just do everything? So we applied for a NVOCC license. That's a freight forwarding license. We got the license and that's when we started doing our campaign, basically saying that our specialty is bringing your product, we storage it for you, and then we deliver it to Amazon. So that happened around, I think that was, uh, it's going to be three years now that we're doing the service. First year was just trial and error, figuring things out. We took like five, six customers to see how it works and see how they respond, if they like it or not. And now we're about 150 Amazon sellers in our warehouse, their warehouse with us, and they do the imports with us. And then we have way more that just import and they still have their own warehouses or they send direct to Amazon. And you still do the traditional support traditional retailers through your warehouses? Correct. Yeah, it's like still 50% of our business is still traditional retail. That's incredible. So it's amazing that what's happened with Amazon FBA. And let's talk about an example here for just a second. Because I think there's a lot of people who are from traditional logistics who understand supporting Target and Costco and you know traditional retail we're all being kind of dragged into very quickly into e-commerce. And obviously we all know it's growing, especially during COVID. And I don't think it's ever going back. But let's talk about an example for a second. So let's just say I decide I want to start selling cell phone accessories. I'm not going to make them myself, but I have some sort of exclusive arrangement with a company that makes my cell phone accessories and they're in China. So I say, Ephraim, help me get started. What do I got to do to start selling on Amazon? I would like to be rich very, very soon. so what i've seen also with our retail customers that all of them are really growing in the amazon direction all of them are really doubling down on the amazon part because they realize that retail took beating for life i would say and some they probably lost some percentage points in their sales and they're seeing that amazon's the right to go so how you do that and i talked to a lot of retail people that sell traditional retailers and they want to get on amazon you sign up for an account you put in your corporation information. A lot of categories are open categories on Amazon. For example, cell phone accessories that we just spoke about, electronics, home and kitchen products, outdoor products. Most of them are open categories. There are some closed categories like grocery, I think pets, food, jewelry. They're closed categories. So the way how to get opened up to be able to sell in these categories is basically they'll ask you for documentation showing that you're a legit buyer from this and this company, that you have the rights to sell their goods. If you're exclusive, that you're buying direct from China supplier and you're the exclusive seller or you are the owner of the brand, they'll ask you for your branding information, your corporation, the Chinese POs, and make sure that you're actually legit and it's not you're just selling someone else's products because Amazon is really doubling down on being a safety 
platform because they had a lot of gray market, black market fakes in the past that people made a lot of money off that and really tricked people in buying their products that were not real. So let's talk about that for just a second. So what you mean by gray market, let's just say, we'll talk about my cell phone accessories. So let's just say I went and I bought a whole bunch of stuff in Mexico and it was 20% cheaper in Mexico. And then I brought it over to the United States somehow and I said, I'm going to sell it. That would be considered a gray market good, right? Correct. Let's say it's Samsung products, right? They have Samsung accessories and you want to sell them. If you're not approved by Samsung to sell that, you're not allowed to sell it on Amazon. And you bought, let's say, a truckload of products from Mexico for a good price and then you want to sell it on Amazon, that's called gray market. Okay. And black market is? It's fake. Basically, you're saying you're, it happened mostly in the health and beauty business. For example, there's a company, Mac, or there's a company, yep. there's a lot of different ones. I can't remember any other names at the second. I'm glad you don't know them. Yeah, I'll ask my wife, she'll know all of them. <laughs> so, for example, those, they had a lot of fakes. And people got products and it really, they got skin so rashes. Amazon got, can't have that. Right, exactly. So that's where they really double down on black market. So In jewelry, they want to make sure that you're not selling, you know, Fake diamonds, right? Right, fake diamonds, or it's the stainless steel. A lot of Chinese are selling stainless steel that have, I think, copper in it or something that's really harmful for the skin. People used to get rashes, so they really ask you for, like, really testing reports and stuff like that to be able to get approved. So every category is different, but they all have their own unique way how to get approved to sell in these markets. So for me, I will be selling cell phone accessories. I have an exclusive arrangement with a company that's making it for me in China. And so I should have no problems gliding through and getting approved. Right. Yeah, and I think cell phone accessories is an open category, but for any reason it would be a closed category. Yeah, you should have all the documentation that you need. So when I start selling this, I've decided I'm going to do Amazon FBA because I think that's the best opportunity. What do I do next? So after you sign up for an Amazon account, you list your products. I would suggest if you're not sure how to list products and how listing product works, you use, there's a multiple companies that could help you with that, that really experience with SEO, keywords, optimization, how to list the products, because that's crucial. Optimization within Amazon. Correct. That's crucial to be able to be seen, because I call Amazon a highway. So if you get on the highway, you're good. People are seeing you. You just fly through it. But if you can't get out, you can't get on the highway, and you can't get visibility. And you got to get up to speed. Right. When <laughs> someone searches for an iPhone case holder and you come up on the 20th page, you're not going to be seen and nobody's going to know about you. You're not going to have sales. So that's the most important thing. After you've done that um, and you have your products, your goods, or you want to order it from China or it's on the way, you just go and do convert your listing to fulfillment by Amazon. Once you do that, you'll have an option of the, they'll give you the thing to label with their special unique UPC codes, or you can apply to use your own UPC codes that Amazon should take that as a barcode to be able to be scanned when customers place orders. The next step would be creating your shipping plan. So Amazon will tell you, hey, all this will go to this and this warehouse. Approve, you approve that shipment. Then they'll give you the carton labels, pile labels. You could choose if you want to use UPS. You could choose if you want to use Amazon's carrier, or you could choose other carriers. So that would be me, a third party, to deliver your goods to Amazon. So in this case, I'm going to use you because you're going to get my product from China to the U.S. for me, and then it's over in California. So my goods are in your warehouse in California. What do I need to do to get it to Amazon, or what do you need to do to get it to Amazon? Right, so once you created that FBA shipping plan and you confirm that, Amazon gives you an an ID code. 
with that ID code, when you place an order within our system, um, you put that in. And what we do with this FBI ID code, we put that into Amazon's portal where we make we schedule appointments for carriers. We schedule an appointment. Once we get an appointment, we'll take the goods and deliver to Amazon, and it will get received right away. So let's say we have an appointment today for 2 p.m. We arrive there. Sometimes we have to wait a few hours, depending how congested they are. But once we get a door and they scan it in that we're receiving, it's going to come. You get an email, your shipment checked in. A few minutes later, you start hearing, getting notifications that your product is getting received. Then you go to Amazon, you see, hey, my product is available to be bought on Amazon. So if it goes through a transload facility, your products will be available to buy on Amazon. It's just going to say in stock on October 20th. For example, today is what, the 16th? They'll tell you in four days it should be in our fulfillment centers where we storage and where we ship orders, and they'll ship it out at that day. From that day, it's going to be prime like two days. Or if it goes direct to an Amazon fulfillment center that storages product, it should be available right away to ship. So if it's shipped, let's just say it's in California, it's in one of your warehouses over there, and then Amazon tells, notifies me and you that this has to be delivered to a location. Would it be a location close to where the goods are, or would they say you send that to New Jersey? For standard-sized products, if you put the ship from address, you could put wherever you want to ship it from in Amazon system. They'll Most of the time, they'll send it to a local warehouse. So chances are they just move it from L.A. to L.A., right? Correct. Usually it goes like that, but some accounts, depending on the product, they'll send it to multiple locations. Or if it's oversized products, they'll send it to multiple locations. There is actually a, I call it a golden nugget on that. There is a company called SellerChain.com. So what they do, they figure out an algorithm how to dictate Amazon to send it to one location instead of multiple locations and without violating any rules. And again, it's not green. It's not black. It might be between green and gray because I don't know anybody that was suspended for using their system. Obviously, their system figured out how to do that, but it really saves a lot of money. For example, you want to send in, let's say, five pallets to Amazon yep. right, from your accessories, and they'll... Ship it to one pallet to California, two pallets to Colorado, and then two pallets to New Jersey. You're paying now for New Jersey trucking alone. You'll probably pay close to a thousand bucks. You're going to pay to Colorado, let's say six, seven hundred dollars. Then you'll pay in California, you'll pay nothing, like right. less than a hundred dollars. If you have their system dictating you to ship it to one location in California, you're paying pennies over the dollar. You'll maybe pay three hundred dollars, three hundred fifty dollars for the whole load versus you would pay almost $2,000 for if you sent multiple locations. So that's the best way how I help sellers using them. I mean, probably 50 customers of mine use that system. What's it called? Seller Chain? Sellerchain.com, right? So it's just S-E-L-L-E-R, chain, chain. C-H-A-I-N.com. Okay, I'll put right. a link to that. Just I've never heard of it. Interesting. So once Amazon has my goods, then they distribute it to their fulfillment centers, which are going to be close to whoever buys my stuff, correct? Right. They have their algorithm. They see based on your sales, probably previous sales where... But I don't have any previous there. sales, so they're just going to estimate? Right. So new sellers, sometimes they'll dictate you to send to multiple locations, sometimes not. But if not, they'll. I guess they have a way where they send it to multiple different locations that they have two days all over the country yep. to ship. Okay. Them. So over time... I can this my business continues to grow through Amazon. And I know I want to get to this new realities. I know things have really changed. So let's transition to a little bit of this. The new realities, why were they necessitated? So what happened now in COVID, obviously retail was shut. 
And the only place where to go to buy it to was on e-commerce. Amazon, Walmart, Target, Kohl's, like Wayfair, all these websites that you could buy online. And Amazon sellers just exploded. And Amazon couldn't keep up because obviously they didn't have the right staff because due to COVID, there was less truckers on the road. So there was really a logistics crisis that they couldn't have just people sending them whatever they want to Amazon. So what Amazon changed now for every single seller is a unit restriction. So basically Amazon bases it off what you sell a thing within three months. They work with a 90-day turnaround. And based on your sales velocity, they'll see how much you sell in these three months. So for example, let's say these three months you only sold 5,000 units, but you know in the next three months you're going to sell 10,000 or more. They'll only let you send in 5,000 or less based on what they think you're going to sell through. And that really pushed a lot of sellers that used to bring in products from China. We used to deliver everything right away to Amazon. It didn't even touch a 3PL because these are high volume sellers. They sell a lot of product and they never needed a 3PL. Now they're all forced into getting a 3PL because they, unfortunately they can't send in full containers into Amazon whenever they want. So this is Amazon saying the new reality is we all have to get more efficient. Amazon has to get more efficient and they have an algorithm. I'm sure they're very data driven. They're saying to be successful, we as Amazon need you guys to be very disciplined and we're going to manage your business a little tighter, so to speak. Right. Because Amazon is very clear. I'm not a storage facility. I am a fulfillment center. I'm in and out. So they don't want to deal with anybody that just have storage laying around. And they feel like the unit restrictions really helps them out because even the big sellers, they just can't sit with a lot of inventory at a time. They'll sit with inventory, let's say, for I don't know exactly how they work it. If it's a month of supply or 60 days of supply, but they really work that way. So we have now a lot of big sellers warehousing with us. And then every week we send in a truckload or two truckloads of goods into Amazon because they can't send in everything at once. So that's one big thing that changed down COVID. And what I understand from some insider information that they plan to keep that forever. So they're not planning to scale back on that. So if you're selling a new product, a total new SKU, even though you're a big seller, you have a unit restriction of 200 units to start. And once you start the 200 units and then you sell them out, they'll let you send more and right. more and more till you build that up. Any products that sold a lot previously, they base it off of sales velocity, how you sell, how much you sell, and that's how much they let you send into Amazon. So that's one big factor that happened. So that's unit restriction is the right. new, one of the new realities is unit restriction. And that's just because Amazon says we are a fulfillment center where we don't want to store your goods. Correct. We don't want to see your stuff on the, our shelves for 90 days. Right. Correct. And the main reason why I think triggered that is in beginning of COVID, the first few months, they were only shipping essential products within two days, non-essential goods. It took them about, I think they pushed it off a month some of them three weeks later that they were going to ship it. So automatically, a lot of these people were sitting with a lot of inventory and they didn't have space in their warehouses. So that's where it really pushed them to do that unit restriction later on. I think it happened in June that they implemented that or July. I don't remember the exact date when it happened that that's happening, but I heard that's staying for good. So with this unit restriction, let's just say me as with my cell phone accessories, as I bring those in from China, I might have been able to say, Ephraim, pick that up and just drop it, take it right to Los Angeles or wherever they tell us to drop it in the in Los Angeles area and you drop it and no storage. Now with this new reality of the unit restriction, Amazon might say, Joe, we understand that you brought a whole container load in, but we only want seven pallets from you this week. Correct. And so now I'm kind of forced to become 
Well, I'm forced to get a 3PL or my own warehouse. Correct. And I'll trust you with that. <laughs> so <laughs> unit restrictions, so they kind of drove a cost out of their system and into the sellers. Correct. Okay. So that is, and I would also throw this out there, Ephraim, this Amazon is still relatively new business for a lot of people. And I would say that this is a learning curve, right? There's, I think this would have to drive costs up a little bit from selling on Amazon, which means only the most efficient are going to work out well because it's a marketplace. Exactly. So that's the first new reality. What's another reality that you're seeing in this post-COVID? Well, we're almost post-COVID. I'm not quite there yet in the COVID era. Right. So what the next thing is, we spoke about it in the first podcast that we did, is there's a thing called IPI. That means Inventory Performance Index. And that has a score. So Inventory Performance Index is a combination of how many times you run out of stock of a product. That means you're not running an efficient business. And you're really pissing off a lot of Amazon buyers because every second week you're running out of stock or every month, whatever that is. That's one factor. The second factor is stranded inventory in Amazon. That means you have product on Amazon that's not available to be bought. So it could be you turned off the listing, for example, for any specific reason, or you mistakenly turned it off, whatever the reason is. But we have goods of yours and the Amazon facility, and it's not available for a customer to be bought. That's the second rule. The third one is to make sure that you don't have more than 90 days of supply. So if you send into Amazon 1,000 units, and then last month you sold 1,000 units, and this month you're only going to sell let's say 200, and then automatically, based on their data, it looks like you're going to go over the 90 days. That's where they penalize you as well. So, so the last time we spoke was the IPI score was 350. So if you went under the 350, what happens is Amazon restricts you based on cubic feet. So basically, let's say you had till now 50 pallets in Amazon, for example. I'll throw a number, let's say 100,000 cubic feet or 50,000. I'm not sure. I have to look at my calculator how many pallets it comes out to be. But let's say you had 100,000 cubic feet and then you did all these things wrong and you fell under the 350. Basically, they told you, hey, just until now you were able to have 100,000, we're going to restrict you to have only 50,000 or 80,000 cubic feet in our else. So even though you don't have the unit restriction on this product at the moment, but you still exceeded your cubic feet, how much you have on Amazon, they won't let you send it in. If you send it in, their penalties are insane. I think it's like 10 or $12 a box or a cubic feet. I have to double check again, but it's very, very expensive. And you don't want to do that because it basically it kills your whole profit. So how can you help? Can you help companies manage? manage this IPI or is there somebody else who can help them manage it? I mean, there's a lot of inventory software out there that can help you with that, tell you how much to send in. They'll give you their projections, what they think based off your full sales history, how much you should send in, if you should bring back any of that. There's software out there. I'm not sure. Names, I know of Scubana, I know of Seller Cloud. I know of, what's the third name? There's a lot of different companies out there that do that. So what can happen here is I'm selling my cell phone accessories. Things are going well. I have a slow month for whatever reason. And now Amazon says, hey, um, you have too much inventory here relative to your sales. We're going to cut you back so you can't ship as much. So basically another unit restriction. Right. And then potentially even send me a, a bill. Right, exactly. So they'll push you off. Like They don't do it every week. or every. I mean, the score goes every week, how it affects. But when they actually decide that you're in bad shape, I think that goes every two months that they evaluate that. So let's say if you're running low on one month, the second month you pick back up, it's not end of the world. But you got to make sure to keep track of that. So what changed now is instead of having the 350, on the 350, you get these restrictions. 
they opted to 500. So if you fall under 500, that's where you get it ready, the penalties and all these restrictions. So it's really harder. So when you say this is called Inventory Performance Index or IPI, and that is the top score 1,000 or what is, what's the top score? I have to check. I think it's 1,000. And then, so it used to be, if you drop below 350, you started getting penalized. And you also get penalized by page rank too, right? You get pushed down on the list. I'm not sure about that. Could be. I have to ask around. The main thing is, basically, if you cannot send in properly product into Amazon, you're screwing your business. Right. So, yeah, I remember the last time we spoke from you said, selling gift baskets that were seasonal was a real challenge because you were trying to understand, I'm not going to sell a lot of Christmas baskets in July, but yet you don't want to be punished, right? Right. And so there's probably lots of people who find themselves in that seasonal place where, hey, we overcommitted on summer clothes during COVID, right? Right. People weren't going out. There was not as much travel. Not as much money for some people. So, wow, that's, so basically they raised the bar Unit restrictions is the penalty. IPI fines, kind of a penalty. What's another new reality of working with Amazon, fulfillment by Amazon? Right. I just want to add one more thing to the last one is when I was selling my gift baskets, Amazon had a trick that I was by one of the Amazon conferences, what they did themselves. And I, they were able to schedule a one-on-one meeting and I scheduled with one of their people a one-on-one meeting. And I told them like, I'm seasonal seller. That was a time when they implemented that 350 score. I think it was three years ago, four years ago when they implemented that score thing. And I told them like, these guys are scoring my business because in the summer I sell maybe a thousand units, but when it comes Christmas, I sell 30 or 35,000 units. How is that going to work for me? So at that time, one of their associates like told me like, I'll give you a trick. I don't think it was allowed. (laughs) They were allowed to tell me because when I asked her, can I take a screenshot from your laptop, how I do it? She didn't let me. There was basically a setting you were able to change my turnaround time, how long it takes me to fulfill, how long it takes me to replenish. And that's how I tricked the system and my score went up. But they took away that completely last year. So that thing is gone. So seasonal sellers really struggle. And they have a hard time, especially this year. And it's very hard to find a person on Amazon that can help you. They're all virtual. They're all all over the world. They have SOP, how they work, and they have no idea how to help you. So it's really tough. Well, it's also, it's a challenge for them too, because what you said should say, I'm going to take inventory space or be on their list of products available, I can see the struggles. That's just the challenge we've always had. This is, you know, traditional retail has struggled with seasonals too, I'm sure. So there will be some challenges that they will figure out over time. So unit restrictions, that's a new reality. IPI score, it got a lot harder. Then talk about another reality. I think we had a third one you wanted to talk about. Right. So the third one is actually for us, anybody that's listening from the logistics industry and they do trucking into Amazon and they make appointments. It used to be very easy. You just made it how many appointments you want on each ID that you got. Oh, if I won't make today's appointment, I'll make it tomorrow or in two days. Or trucking companies that say like, hey, I can deliver any day of the week to Amazon. I always have appointments. Things like that. That changed completely because basically there were trucking companies that took a ton of appointments away from Amazon saying that they're going to come and deliver goods and they never showed up or they didn't show up to 50% of them. And Amazon really got upset because they have so many people calling in and asking for early appointments and there's nothing available. And then they see their dock doors are empty a lot of times because people are not showing up. So they put performance on us as carriers. If you fall under 90% accuracy, meaning say you're delivering on time or no show, things like that, 
or you're delivering wrong goods and you made a mistake, all these things get now scored on a performance index. If you fall under 90%, you're subject to get suspended. You'll get a warning. If you're not following the warning, you'll get suspended. I know many people in the trucking industry that have got suspended in the past month. Or they'll just go and delete all your appointments saying that you're having way too many appointments and doesn't add up with how much you want to deliver. They have a lot of different ways what they do to screw you. But at that time when they started that, they just shut down a lot of people. And for our account, we got like an alert saying that this and this is what's happening. And you got to make sure that you arrive in time because every carrier has hiccups. We missed here. We missed there. And they just, we had like five trucks getting delivered that night and the trucks already picked up. They were on the way to Amazon and they deleted all my appointments. So it was really a nightmare at that time. Then I sent some emails within the organization there and I spoke to some people. So my account is in good standing right now, but we really got to be careful how how accurate we are. And if something is going wrong, we have to jump on it before the appointment hits. Once the appointment hit and you're trying to change things around, you'll get penalized for it and you'll you'll score with change and it's just a disaster. So we got to be as carriers, anybody in the logistics business that does that, got to be very careful because it's a new reality and you can't just do whatever you want with Amazon. They want to control you when you can deliver and how you can deliver. And if you're going to play around with that, not fun. So right. I wouldn't suggest that. If you look, Ephraim, if you were to be, if we were talking about Walmart today and delivering to Walmart stores, the bar is going up there too. I mean, the reality is you're going to play with these very efficient, Walmart is very low margin business, <laughs> high volume, low margin. They are very exacting and they're going to become more and more strict as they get more data and as they can become more strict. And right. no different with Amazon. And I'm, I come from a background in automotive. Automotive is very demanding because you don't want to shut a plant down. You don't want somebody waiting for a part somewhere, you know, for a replacement. So the reason they're demanding is because their customers are demanding. And look, we all appreciate the convenience and the efficiency that Amazon brings to the world. And so this really just means that all their suppliers and carriers have to align to that. All the sellers, I should say. Right. So also, there's a new thing for e-commerce sellers. Walmart is announced already a few months ago that they're doing also fulfillment by Walmart. I think they're planning to start next year. They already have people in their like in the beta program. How are they testing it out? But it's something. It's also a new reality. A lot of people that sell on Amazon and they don't sell on Walmart, or they tried selling on Walmart and their sales were not the best. It's never too late to get on. Try to sell once you get approved to be able to fulfill with them. That's also going to be a big game changer, and we'll see how that goes with battling with Amazon and trying to fight with each other. Um, the subscriptions of two days, of delivery on time, Walmart is promising same day and next day, versus Amazon cannot promise in a lot of areas in the country because they don't have the footprint, versus Walmart has a lot of footprint in suburban areas. So it's going to be very interesting to watch next year how things go with Walmart. Shopify is also going that route. They're, I think they're partnering up with Walmart on that, and they're partnering up with a lot of different 3PLs to do direct fulfillment. So there's a lot of things changing in the e-commerce world and e-commerce definitely took a big bite into the retail market so it's going to be very interesting to watch next year maybe we'll do another path because next year and we'll see how that goes if anything changes if there's new realities but it's really going to be interesting to watch how that these things roll out what's interesting is traditional malls which have taken a beating over the years i mean i, I think of the mall that <laughs> opened up in dearborn michigan where i'm from when it opened you know 30 40 years ago 
when it opened 40 years ago, it was like, it was like Disneyland. I was young, me and my friends would go there. It went, honestly, it was like going to a new world. It was phenomenal. Now you walk over that mall, it feels old. I understand that Amazon has bought up some of these old mall locations. And what's interesting about these mall locations, they're always close to major highways because that's where malls were built. Right. They're also close to major populations. They have water, they have electricity, they have, these are enormous spaces. So I guess Amazon is kind of making a move to look, how do we get close to the population? How do we get close to the major expressways and throughways so we can deliver same day, next day, which is, as you said, something Walmart will have an advantage of at least initially. Right, exactly. And also I've heard that Amazon is opening up 30 million square feet from August till end of the year. They're adding another 30 million square feet of warehouse. So that's insane. 30 million? Yes, (laughs) over the country. I know of one location that just opened up a month ago and like not far from my warehouse. And that it's, I think, 1.2 million square feet, that facility alone. It's also doing a lot of... Is that your warehouse out west or out east? In the west coast, the west coast. Here in the east where we are, we have a few close by. But what it really does, it's really hurting the 3PL business because they are recruiting a lot of employees. There is a labor shortage at the moment, like just saying in California, there's other states that have that. If it's due to unemployment, I also hear there are people from Mexico that have work visas that are allowed to work in the U.S. They, as of two weeks ago, they were still not allowed to come into the country to come back to work because a lot of them ran back home when COVID hit. They didn't know what's going to happen, so they just went home. And now they're having a hard time coming back in, even though they have the visas to be able to work. So there's a shortage in that, and Amazon is taking away a lot of these people as well as they are also offering more money because they're Amazon and they could afford it. So the logistics business is going through a very unprecedented times right now. If you speak to any 3PL, they're all overworked, running short on staff, working with a lot of volume because retail ordered a lot for some reason this season. So they're really banking on a smash in Q4. And at the same time, Amazon and Walmart and all these other e-commerce platforms are banking on the same thing. So it's going to be a tough year for the logistics industry, but we're really working through it and we're seeing really numbers and sales that we never saw before. So it's right. really cool. Ephraim, I know last time we talked, you said your business on the West Coast blew up during this last quarter because of COVID, last two quarters because of COVID. Right. I mean, our retail is pretty much the same as last year. They just got delayed. So they came in later and they started shipping later. But the Amazon part tripled, more than tripled at the moment for the last quarter. And you're still hiring in LA, I bet. Yeah, I'm working hard <laughs> to get people in, but it's a struggle, but we're getting people in. Excellent, excellent. All right, Ephraim, please summarize this for us, and then we'll talk a little bit of what's going on over at Technical. Sure. So what we spoke about today is how to sell on Amazon. It's never too late to try, especially if you're big in the retail space and you have big brands, good product. It's never too late to try to sell on Amazon. The second thing we spoke about was unit restrictions, how to go about it. If you don't know how to run a warehouse, go and look for a 3PL in your area, or if you want to use us, or if you want to use any other one in California, there's a lot out there. You can use a 3PL. Using the IPI index score, the inventory performance score, that's something we spoke about, that they raised it from 350 to 500, so that makes it harder. you got to be more top of your game to make sure that you're running a successful business on Amazon. Last thing was the carrier central, so that's where we truckers make appointments on Amazon, and that got harder as well. We have performance, we can't do whatever we want anymore. So all these things are big changes, big realities, new realities that's happening on Amazon, and I really hope that your listeners enjoy this and they take out some good information from that and try to sell or change their ways how to do that. 
and also now with Amazon carriers versus using a third party, the benefit of that, I th- we spoke about it in the last podcast, but I'm going to bring it up again quickly, is the benefit from using a third party carrier is basically you are dictating or we as carriers dictate when we deliver to Amazon and Amazon has to receive it right away because Amazon rules he cannot drop a trailer if it's not theirs in their yard. Right. So they have to offload it right away. So they receive it right away versus using Amazon. Amazon is overbooked. They'll tell you, hey, I'm coming Monday. They won't show up till a week later. Or even when they show up, they'll just drop the trailer in their yard. It'll wait two weeks there till they'll get to offload it. So, so you want to use a third party. Exactly. <laughs> Especially Q4 when everything is hot and everything, you want to get the product out quickly. Always make sure to use a third party if you're a big seller. Okay. If you're a smaller seller, you send just a few boxes. Unfortunately, only UPS is the only option. UPS is seeing delays. I'm sure there's going to be a lot more delays in Q4 because they never saw this volume that they saw before ever. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they perform in Q4 for UPS FedEx. But I think Amazon's partner, the carrier is UPS. So we'll wait and see how that works out. And uh, we could catch up after Q4 and see how that went. (laughs) Right. Well, it seems as if the opportunity is bigger than ever. But the challenge to do it right, to conform to Amazon's very high standards that are only going to get higher is also is the challenge. So, you know, it's a great reward for those who can do well. And for those who can't keep up, you're uh, either step up your game or get out, <laughs> switch over to some selling somewhere else. Yeah, it's not get out. Amazon will make, will show you that you're out. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. That's the reality. Right. But it's not your choice. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're not going to, no one's going to give up. So Ephraim, tell us what's going on over at Tactical. We talked a little bit about what you're doing on the West Coast, booming and looking for heads. Tell us a little more. Right. I mean, the logistics industry is really going through a very tough time right now. Everything needs to ship right away. Everything's urgent for retailers, especially because everything came in late and they need to make sure that they have all the stock in their stores before full season. And we're at full season already and they want to have everything. So there's shorter cancel dates. I mean, ship dates and things like that. And just getting through that was a real struggle. But thank God retail were almost done and it was really successful. It worked out well. There is with that reality, there's a shortage in pallets in the state of California pallets more than tripled in price. Uh, we were forced to go up in price on our fees for pallets because it's just, that's the reality right now. So that's one, also one of the struggles that we had. We actually have a tenant in our yard because we have a, almost a million square feet of land, half a million warehouse, but we have a huge yard in the back. We had a tenant there that would kept pallets there. In July, they had around 16,000 pallets and they're down to zero right now. So just giving you a little idea. And most of those pallets we ended up buying because our regular supplier that has pallets said like he's running low, see if you can buy anywhere else. And everybody went up in price. So it was just a struggle, but we're down to zero from July till now for 16,000 pallets. So just give you an example how busy the logistics business is. And if somebody is talking about a uh, recession or anything like that, in my industry with consumer goods and logistics, it's just booming. It's just doing great. Unfortunately, there's a lot of different areas where they are struggling, like the hospitality business, travel, a lot of different ways. We hope really that we're going to get over that soon. But in the logistics industry, we're really doing great right now. Well, I've changed my mind. I'm not going to sell cell phone accessories. I'm going to start building pallets and uh, <laughs> putting them in your yard in L.A. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a good idea. All right. Well, thank you so much. Ephraim, how do people reach out to you? So you can reach out to me. That's Ephraim at tacticallogistic.com. You got to spell that. That's E-P-H-R-A-I-M at tactical. 
logistic.com. I'm sure you'll put up a link to our website. Yes, I will. You'll see our email there. You can send it to info, whatever you see on the website, that will come to my email as well. You have our phone number there. And also I'm giving a little gift for everyone. You could go out to our website under resources, you'll see there an ebook to sell on Amazon FBA and that walks you through the whole process from how to import product, what to tell your supplier, how to label things, how to warehouse, how to send them to Amazon, everything. The whole thing that we spoke about in the beginning about selling on FBA is in that um, ebook. You could download it for free and enjoy it and see if you could what you want to get on the train and start selling on Amazon. Excellent, excellent. So I will put all those links to the ebook, to Tactical's website, and to your LinkedIn profile. And it's always a pleasure, Ephraim. Thank you so much for educating us on Amazon FBA. It's the ever-changing, ever, ever, ever tougher Amazon FBA. <laughs> exactly. Thanks you. Thank you so much, Joe, for having me. It was really a yeah. pleasure talking to you, and it was great. And I really hope your listeners are really going to enjoy this. Thank you so much. And thank you all for listening to the podcast. Your support is very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward. You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversations with experts in the logistics field. If you're an expert and would like to be featured on the Logistics of Logistics podcast, please email Joe Lynch at joe at the logistics of logistics.com. 